Going through perimenopause and menopause is such a powerful transformation. It's an initiation into another stage of your life where you get to come home to yourself and recenter, reground. Join us for this powerful, beautiful conversation with Kylie Patchett of the Menopause Podcast to find out more about how menopause has everything to do with becoming your own matriarch. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Well, hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to a deeper understanding of ourselves and life and why we're here and how all of this is relevant that's happening in our lives today and in the world. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird medicine woman, mother mentor, and I love doing this show, Soul Nectar. It's been my baby for over seven years now. And every week I learn so much from the amazing guests I bring on the show. And today we're going to be giving some support to our wonderful mamas who are out there holding space for families and children and spouses and who are at the center of it all and may feel like life is a bit of a whirlwind. And how do I find my ground? How do I find myself in the middle of this hot mess that's happening? And how do I even find some space to myself to feel my feelings and to acknowledge myself? This is such a big topic. And we're really excited to have Kylie Patchett with us for this talk. Welcome, Kylie. Hello. How are you? I'm so excited to do this with you. So Kylie, Kylie is a beautiful, beautiful person from Down Under. She <laughs> she is very hot down under. It's very people. hot. Very it's hot. Very freaking cold up here in New England. I mean, in uh, Northern America, I'm in Texas, and it's usually yeah. hot. But yeah, I feel you. She's in the hotness. I am in the deep, deep <laughs> summer of Queensland, which, if anyone knows Australia, is hot already. <laughs> it's hotter than Hades. Okay. But, you know, it's kind of a good metaphor. We're going to be talking about how we get hot in the kitchen and how do we, as moms, That's like true. keep our cool. So, mm-hmm. Kylie, it's funny because this is also part of the hotness in the kitchen. Kylie is a menopause self care coach <laughs> and storyteller. Who is also having really hot flushes. And so I'm very grateful I can have my air conditioning on. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> so funny. So that's really funny that I was led to say that because yeah, menopause, it can get hot up in here. So real raw stories of midlife and mental health show is the menopause show. So, you know, Kylie is a master's um, biological scientist and evidence-based mind, body, and breath qualifies coach. And her mission is to help women reframe perimenopause as a powerful initiation point a time of healing, growth, and opportunity to come home to ourselves. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Kylie. And how do you want to kick this off in terms for all the moms out there? Because we know that the world Uh, is crazy. The world is insane right now. We've got pure insanity and psychosis happening. 
in parts of the world. And I mean, my heart goes out to the mamas there. I mean, my just Ugh. heart, my heart breaks for what they're going through. And I know that all of us on some level are having that conversation of there's conflict in my family. There's conflict in my own heart. There's conflict in my community, in the world. How do I bring peace to the conflict? How do I bring the wisdom to the conversation? How do I change the conversation even? How do I influence it? And so I know that you're an expert in this. And so what would you like to share with us about yourself so people can get to know you? Thank you so much for having me on. I know I've been chortling away at how hot it is, but I am cool. It's all good. I would just love to say, particularly to the, to the mamas, and when you were saying, you know, there's so much going on in the world, there's so much going on in our households, maybe not so much for you North American listeners, but in Australia, we are at the end of very long summer holidays. So all of the mamas here will be fried. They're like counting down the days till school goes back next Monday. And I feel it can be a very weighty feeling to feel like the thermostat of your family to be the sun that everyone revolves around, which is often the, the mama, not always. And I'm not meaning any disrespect. In fact, my husband was the son that we revolved around. So we switched <laughs> traditional roles when my kids were little. I feel like when things are so chaotic, it's so important for us to understand that we still have space and grace to be able to come home to safety and calm in our own body and in our own hearts. And to be aware, absolutely, I'm not saying, you know, don't think about what's happening in Gaza, don't try and impact that in some way. But when it comes down to it, if we're not calm and safe in our own bodies, we're not actually able to be, do or have any of the things that are important to us. And, you know, most mums want, you know, the kids to be happy and to be able to provide for them and to have fun with them and all of those things. But we can't do that if the internal chaos is what is overriding everything. And we, I think we talk, we've talked about this before, that deep sense of, you know, who am I in amongst this cyclone of feelings and experiences and world events and whatever. And to just remember that we are always at choice. And I know, especially if you're in the thick of that really demanding, very young mamahood, you know, like my, my girls are 12 months apart. And if someone had said this to me, then, and I was also caring for my dad who'd had a stroke, I probably would have slapped them. Like, honestly, that would have been my reaction would be, oh, how am I supposed to stay calm when I'm, you know, I'm trying to hold all this space for people and I don't have any time for myself. But now when I look back, I actually see that I was just replaying the chaos that I grew up with as a kid and recreating it for myself as a mother. And I really feel very strongly that if we understand that we're at choice about how we experience and respond to things, we have much more power to create what we want and therefore to be able to impact change. That's a very long answer, but that's what's coming to me today. I actually really adore that because when I look back, my kids are now 21 and 24, and then I've got stepkids that are in high school and I got another round at it, you know, I was like, God, yeah. like no, you're not done. You have some more. Yeah, but, you know? but, you, but you're doing like a do-over in the best possible way. I love some of the things that you do with those stepkids. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I'd been able to master this because I definitely was not a master when I was a young mama. Well, that's the thing. We're not because it's our first time out in this lifetime being a mama. You know, maybe we've done it in lots of other lifetimes, but this is a new time. This is a new place. This is a new planet. So even if you had been a mother for a dozen lifetimes up until now, this is a new challenge to be this chaotic in the world and this busy and this much pressure and this like in our heads 
with so much time pressure down to the minute, that is a challenge that none of our ancestors faced. And so they don't really know how to support us with that, except slow down, don't believe it, you know, take a breath. And when I look back on my own experience being a young mom, a lot of what was creating the noise in my life was my own mind, my own obsession. 100%. The black and white thinking of how to be a good mother. And I would just like to also reflect, like my girls now are 18 and 19. My younger daughter, she wants five children. Like she's such a, she just loves kids. And I see the people around me having children now. So like nieces and nephews and like people like that, that that are sort of the next generation below me. And I think they've got the internal noise, all the conditioned beliefs about how to be a good woman and a good mother and a good blah blah all that noise. But they've also got all this social media saying how to be the perfect mother. One of my nieces was saying the other day, like, I just don't have a nursery that looks good. And I'm like, why does it need to look good? Isn't it more important that it feels good? And she's like, oh, but you know, all those perfect reels you see. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it's really kind of scary, but it is bringing us home. You know, it's because the larger picture here and everyone on my show that follows me knows how I talk about things, but we're in the great awakening, right? And so we're taking off the masks, which is one of the reasons I thought it was so funny that in COVID we put them back on. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, wait a second. I didn't mean to wake up. Let me put it back on. I want to hide my face. I felt too vulnerable then. I will push it back on and hope that I can ignore everything. I'm going to put my my identity back on, you (laughs) know? And so the the false personalities really tied up in appearances, you know, Mm -hmm. and how things look and what people think about you and the right way to do things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the false personality is the one that's somewhat narcissistic. You know, and everybody goes through narcissism. So I know that on the planet right now, there's this conversation that there's narcissists and empaths. I know, yeah. Yeah, but everybody goes through at least a touch of narcissism. You know, we all go through that self-obsession. Self-absorption, yeah. Yeah, absorption. I'm pretty sure that's the definition of a teenager, isn't it? Well, it is, and young adults. (laughs) And then then we have these body parts that give babies. So then we're like, oh my gosh, I'm automatically thrown out of my narcissism into caring for another person, into the empath's Mm -hmm. journey, into the mother's journey, where I've got to take care of this other being first. Confronting, confronting. And then let's add in the other layer of, and, and we've spoken about this before, like if you have any type of trauma around attachment in your own history, and my mom still battles with alcoholism and severe mental health issues. And so when I was younger, from about eight, I was her parent and I painted myself very clearly into that. Like I got a lot of, that's a whole other story, but where I'm going with that is if you're trying to be a mum, but you've actually not had any evidence of how it is to be a healthily attached caregiver, or if you've got any disruption in that field, you're actually dealing with your own wounding as well as trying not to wound another little person. And that is really hard. It's really actually, and it's a master's curriculum and it's being a mother. I want to say that it's a mastery curriculum. And I also, when I wrote my book, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wounds, White Buffalo Calf Woman was my guide. And and there were many times she said, because I had a lot of issues with my elder son, like I had Mm -hmm. issues, right? He had life going on. I had issues with his life going on. I was scared for him. I didn't want challenges to happen to him. I didn't want him to be hurt. I didn't Mm -hmm. want him to skin his knees or broke his heart. And 
We want to run interference and stop everything that's going to hurt them, even though that's the biggest healer. (laughs) He even told me this summer, because he's back at home now, he said, he said, mama, it's like, I need your gorilla right now. Could you bring your gorilla out and and stick it on this person? And I was like, no, I can't. This is your life challenge. But how did he get that idea? Because I always did. I always showed up as the thousand pound gorilla that said, don't you dare do that to my son. Why? Because I felt bullied as a child, because I was scared as a child. And this is one thing I, I realized on my journey is that, and I know you're going to talk about this and give us gifts of wisdom, is like, wow, how do we not make our child our inner child? How do we not project all of our inner child stuff yeah. onto our kids and then like seek about to heal our inner child through our children? It's very, very difficult, very difficult. And I feel like a part of me And this is the part of me with that really strong, grounded belief that before we're here in this physical form, we're somewhere up in the stars. I don't know. I don't have a place that we are, but I do believe that we come and we choose and we also choose the parents that we will have to have the experience that we need to evolve and grow into the whatever we're meant to be. And so there's a part of me that goes, Mama, don't take too much responsibility outside of yourself. This is all part of this grand unfolding. And I certainly can look back at that because I feel like, um, as you said, like if you've ever been undermothered, the tendency is either to repeat the same thing or overmother. And I chose the overmothering as well. And I had this really confronting experience when my eldest daughter was about 15 to 16, she was experiencing really severe anxiety and down the track was diagnosed with ADHD. So now I kind of look back and go, okay, maybe there was other things going on. But anyway, at the time, really high anxiety. And so I just kept on putting myself between her and the world all the time. And one night she used to have very, very high emotion. And like I have run behind her for kilometers at a time because she's just needed to move. Like all of those types of things, like super codependent style parenting, because that's all I knew. I don't know. I look back and go, how could you not see it? But when you're in it, it's very hard sometimes to see it. But one night when I was running behind her and I'm going to paint the picture, I am the body of a sprinter. I can go very, very fast, for a very short amount of time. She is the body of a gazelle. So she can go very, very long forever and ever and ever and ever. So I'm <laughs> behind me and I'm like, Abby, Abby, I just want to calm down. You know, just, just calm down. Let me talk to you. And she turns around and she goes, I don't need you to show me that I can't deal with this myself. Boundary, big boundary. I was like, Mm. oh my God, by trying to help her and overprotect, what I'm actually showing her is I don't trust her. Yeah, I had the same lesson. It was heartbreaking when I realized that that all of my focus on on the challenges as if they were problems was like giving him the idea that it wasn't okay for him to experiment or try things or fail or make mistakes or scrape Mm -hmm. up his knees. And that I did, Mm -hmm. I thought he was not going to be able to handle it Mm -hmm. and that I needed to do it for him. Yeah. Very confronting. And I still feel that in my body because I remember feeling so ill-equipped to deal with what was in front of me. I'm like, I don't understand. My mother's mental health issues were always depression if she had depression, I kind of would have known, not healthily by any stretch of the imagination, but I kind of knew how to deal with that box. 
But this anxiety box where things were, you know, very heightened and very scattered and very big and very disproportionate, I just, I couldn't make sense of it because I hadn't, I hadn't experienced it myself, but I also hadn't dealt with it, anyone with it. But I didn't realize that what I was telling her was I didn't trust her, that she was always going to need this big mama bear next to her. And I'm like, oh my God, that is exactly what I don't want to be teaching you. I want to be, you know, like I feel like people say about empty nesting and I'm like, no, it's like flight school graduation. Like this is the whole point of parenting that your kids are equipped to go out in the world and do their own thing and whatever. But yeah, I look back at those times and I think, wow, the version of me was still so stuck in my inner child. I couldn't even see her. It was like my authentic self wasn't even there experiencing it. So I couldn't respond to her or hold space for her or any of that without being in my inner child. And I think that that was your original question. Sorry, I went off track a bit there, but how do you not make them your inner child? You actually realize that they are completely different people and their job is just to unfold into who they're meant to be. And that is nothing to do with you. And it's not your responsibility to make them a certain way. And I also, one of my pet hates with parents is when someone turns up and goes, oh, what do your children do? And we have that pissing competition about whether my kid is like a doctor or a lawyer or something. I don't know whether that's in America, but in Australia, that's still a thing. And I'm like, my kids are happy and healthy and they've tried different careers all over the place. I don't know where they'll end up, but I'm really, really proud of them that they're actually being people. They're not actually just fulfilling your expectations of them, which I'm not saying everyone that goes into law or doctoring is like that, but because I'm in a country area and being in a country area in Australia comes with kind of the territory of being around multiple generation families that have got big farms with, you know, a certain amount of income. And the expectation is that your child will become a pillar of society in one of those traditional $700,000 degrees. <laughs> kind of professions. And I'm like, your value system is very different to mine. So I'm not going to go into this pissing competition. I'm sorry if that is an awful word to use. Oh, no, I think it is. It is. And we do have that here. And, And I face that too, because my eldest son is on a path of mastery. He's on a path of being a healer. And healers go through really different life curriculum than people mm-hmm. who are not healers. Healers go through life lessons that are deep yep. and dark and twisted, mm-hmm. and they they're, they lead you into the dark recesses of your mind so you can mm-hmm. face what's there, so you can gain your confidence from it. And th- your life doesn't look like normal people's lives. Your life yeah. looks like chaos and turbulence and, and heartbreak and all these things, mm-hmm. addictions and facing all the darkness, yeah? Yep. And then when yep. you get to the bottom of that and you realize that you are love, now you're in a space that you can help everybody else. And so, but you can't help anybody if you don't go to the darkest part of the ocean of yourself. So healers, when they have different life paths than other people Mm -hmm. and thank God for them, because otherwise the other people, when they hit their midlife crisis, they wouldn't have any clue what to do. They would have no, no one to, zero clue. this is is a perfect conversation for us to have too, because the other side of my business is storytelling and I work exclusively with healers and helpers. And what healers and helpers often forget to harness in their copy and their content and the way that they kind of approach the marketplace as an entrepreneur is that they're not sharing their stories that give them the wisdom to do the work that they do. And so I talk about the golden thread that runs through your life. And that's exactly what you're talking about. The golden thread will often deliver the precise challenge and therefore growth opportunity 
to learn a next level of mastery to evolve into the person that can actually hold space for other people in the healing journey. And that is the perfect example. And I'm just like, not everyone is meant to be a certain way in the world and understanding as a parent that your kid, it's not your responsibility and it is also not a status symbol what your kid does or does not end up doing. So that's the first thing that I would say is like, your kid is a separate soul here to express something that may or may not be according to your agenda. <laughs> and probably won't be. No, probably won't And be. even if it is, they will say it's their idea and not yours. 100%. 100%. And as it should be, because would we have wanted to be told that exactly. we were for someone else's agenda? I would have gone, stop you. Exactly. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> you know, that's so, yeah. why, you know, these, these structures that are built here are so... They're based on the narcissism model, right? And everybody trying to look good according to the outside, which social media totally feeds. I remember partway through my awakening, my awakening began when I realized I needed to leave my marriage, right? I was like, oh, I need to leave their father. Okay, this isn't working. I can't grow here. I'm being stifled. I need to go, you know? And Mm -hmm. so this, we're incompatible now Mm because I woke up to my power and I need Mm -hmm. to explore it. (laughs) And so as, as I took that journey, it was really hard for, you know, the kids and for our family. But I started confronting all these things and my kids were a really good hallmark of that because I used to want to take the perfect family pictures to show how happy we were. And I wanted to have like the smiling faces and everything. And my kids at one point just went, they would just sit in front of the camera and just with this stone face Mm -hmm. or my, my younger son would go, uh, you yeah, know, it's yeah, just like, yeah, yep, no, nope, not going to do it. I don't really care. No, I'm I don't not really playing your game. I don't, and I'm don't post it to social families. media because mm-hmm. I don't want my picture on social media and screw you. <laughs> and so I was like feeling like I'm not getting my picture perfect family. I have this weird odd duck family that's not doing all the things you're supposed to do. And I had to face all of my attachments to like mm-hmm. the pretty picture, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how and my, what it means about you, because that's really what yeah. you're saying. If I don't have the pretty picture, I have somehow failed at this perfect mothering, perfect family, perfect parenting thing that I'm meant to be able to do. And it's like, there is no such thing for starters. So you're aiming for impossible. (laughs) Yeah. So we need to stop making things mean so much about us as a person and sourcing our worth from what our family, what our kids do, what our family does, what like all of that stuff. Because it's like, who are you underneath? all of that. And that's the other thing you cannot help, but imprint all over the top of your kid. If you are not aware of where you are playing out old, unhelpful conditioning, beliefs, patterns, etc. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to go backwards and give myself advice, but if I had to, that's what I would do. I would say you focus on healing yourself. I would go back to myself with my second child, with mm-hmm. the photographer that was taking pictures of us and the beautiful pictures. And I would say, sweetie, enjoy this because this is the last moment of this you're going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is the way you want it to look? This is it. This is yeah. your moment. And yeah. from here on out, let him be who he is and just enjoy the ride, like, enjoy the discovery. And this is why, and I want you to speak about this. I really like for you to speak about this is that I really have noticed that when I was a disempowered mother, how much more drama and chaos there was in my family oh, than when I became a strong, self-assured, confident mother that was able to stay in my own space while holding space. So can yes. you speak a little bit about that? Oh my God, yes. I think actually when you were on my podcast, you we talked about the idea that, well, actually we're talking about more of the grandmother weaving the web, but if you imagine that the mother is like the spider in the middle of that web of your family and your community, like wherever your connections are, wherever your value system connects you to, 
imagining that you can be inside your internal, like coming home to yourself in your authentic self, what your needs and desires and wants are without passive aggressive bullshit on the top, without the conditioning, without all of that. When you can sit in that space, you can do what a spider does and use that one strand of the web as the sensing thing. And I don't know if this is video, but I'm like literally just touching an imaginary web with a finger. You don't have to get up in everybody's business or overreact or create drama to fulfill the need to kind of control everything in the environment. You can just be like the spider and be gently just sensing in. Yeah, everyone feels good. Not from the point of view of it's my responsibility to fix it if they're not, but from an awareness perspective and being in that quiet power. And that comes from meeting your own needs. So not following that model of motherhood. And this is actually something that I, when I hit the wall with my own perimenopause like experience when I was turning 47, I'm just about to turn 49 next week. And I had the moment which many of us that have untended trauma have if we haven't dealt with it early on. But I had a moment where I was like, I just don't have the energy to be everything for everybody. I had this conversation with my husband. He's like, no one else expects you to be the everything for everybody. It's you and your belief about what you need to be doing to be a good mother, to tick that box, to pat yourself on the head, say job done. And even if I did all of those things that I set myself up for as the perfect mum to do, I would still think and feel that I wasn't doing a good enough job because that was the conditioning that I was playing out. Not to mention that they grow up and they have their issues with you anyway. (laughs) So even if you did check up all the boxes, you find out they go, I didn't want the June Cleaver mom. And then you go, well, I was doing it for you. And they, and they go, well, that's just a guilt trip. Well, you needn't have bothered. It's like, yeah. Okay. So really the empowered place is to be in ourselves, right? And to realize that, in yeah, ourselves. we are already the spider in the middle of that web because why? Mm-hmm. We're the historian for our kids' stories. Exactly. We're the ones that weave the web. We tell the story. We like, we tell the grandkids, we tell the mm-hmm. school, we tell the friends, we tell whoever. And if we're gossiping and creating a negative story, we're yeah. creating that energy on our kids mm-hmm. and we're doing it out of fear, right? Like there were many times when I was first starting where I would be so afraid about what was going on for my my son because he mm-hmm. was going through all these initiations. And I didn't know at the time because I had my initiations later that that's yep. what he was going through. And yeah. he started early. He started pretty much as soon as he got born. So I didn't yeah. know that that's what was going on, but I was so concerned. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, he's so- Why does this kid happening to us? He's not like the other kids and ah, oh, you know, and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And I would be like, what's the matter with him? Like that became the story. What's the matter? What's wrong with Garrett today? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that story persisted until I finally woke up to it during the Healing the Mother Wound book. And I was like, oh, I am the one. I'm creating Yes. And he kept telling me, stop telling stories on me, mom. I can feel it because he's percept. He's an, he's he's one of the new ones, you know, for the new age. Mm -hmm. So he can feel it. And he's like, stop doing that. You're creating Mm -hmm. negative outcomes on me by the stories you tell. It was like, Mm -hmm. shoot. Okay. So then we tell a different story. We tell a different story and we even ask, do I need to tell a story about this? Is this necessary? Yes. Because sometimes we do have to get it off our chest, right? Yes. So what's the balance there for you? Like when you work with people, what's the balance of, I got a fence. Versus do you really have to tell a story? Yeah, I feel like it's that old and I can never remember how it goes. It's like, is it the truth? 
is it necessary and does it need to be said right now? It's different to those words, but that's pretty much the filter that I run things through because I have definitely noticed in myself, again, that kind of chaotic environment as a kid, you know, that's your known or your familiar, and I always say familiar hell versus the unfamiliar heaven of just being quiet and not having to put out like, a, oh my God, do you see your you know that and I would watch myself and I'd be like oh my god I'm doing it again and it's like I can't stop myself but at least I've gone down the second track which is awareness and now I'm in choice because I used to do it completely unconsciously and I look back and I think oh my god the other thing I would say is just simple gratitude and I know it feels like oh here we go we're talking about gratitude again but actually noticing what goes right and well and feels good and is in alignment to my values and all of those things just focusing on what I want to see more of or what I value. And so I will quite often now have moments where I'm like, how lucky am I? I am I am the master of my own time because I'm back running my, because I was in entrepreneurship, went back to corporate, now back into entrepreneurship. So I'm very consciously grateful of being the master of my own time, being able to have these juicy conversations, like that feels something in me that just the connection with other people and sharing ideas and telling stories like that really nourishes me. The simplicity of like, I've just learned how to make rye sourdough. Like I never thought that I would be a bread making mom, (laughs) but I'm not making it for anyone but myself. But I love the process of learning how to do that. And we live in the country, but we're still kind of inside of a township, but we've got a second property at the back of our property that's got the house on it. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to dive into learning much more about how to grow in a, we're as organic as we can be already, but I really want to, and I'm just like, how lucky I am to have land, to be able to learn, to grow more of my own food, like all of that, just appreciation. But what I used to see was just the one time that didn't work out or the one thing that my kids said that felt a bit spiky to me or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, of course you were seeing more and more of that because you were training your brain to filter for it because I was repeating that sort of stuff. And it's like, just be aware. I think in, in traditional Chinese medicine, when I first learned about the five elements, the element that's the stomach and the spleen, which is called earth energy, their belief system is that that is the first meridian system that's formed as a baby is actually created, so in the womb. And they say that if you have a healthy Even from in the womb, if you have healthy attachment with your mum, you learn to have boundaries about what is you and what isn't you. And if you don't, then those boundaries can be a little bit of a kind of a a a growth opportunity. And that was the other thing that I was like, know what is your responsibility and what is not so that you are not taking on what's not yours, getting in people's faces and trying to teach them quicker than what they're ready to learn. But also it's exhausting. You don't have to do all of that. You can choose to actually put some time and energy into your own nourishment, meeting your own needs instead of blaming everybody else for the world being wrong, actually going, hey, I'm going to be a bit self-responsible here, crazy, (laughs) and actually, you know, take a break when I need a break. Yeah. And do your reflection work on your own self. Like I actually raised an incredibly couple of very independent kids, right? Mm-hmm. But because of my early childhood and because I felt like I needed more touch points, right? With my mm-hmm. own mother because yes. to feel safe, right? Because I had a very tumultuous beginning. My inner mm-hmm. child was grasping yeah. for yeah. that connection. Yes. 
And I, I've worked with that grasping pattern quite a bit, right? And I have two kids that are super independent because at the same time I was being that, I was also like invested in my psychotherapy. I was mm-hmm. like following the practice, you know, I was discussing things, I was getting help. Yes. And then I did my energy medicine work for the last 13 years. And so I kind of like was like, okay, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do the bold thing, I'm gonna give them choices, I'm gonna let them decide, I'm gonna stand back and watch. And that was my opportunity to also shift my lens because mm. I wanted a lot of touch points for my own nourishment, my own validation, then mm. I wasn't getting that. So I could tell a story of, oh, my kids don't love me or they don't care about their mom or they don't. And I did that for a while. You know, his dad's talking bad about me and they've ruined my relationship mm. with my kids. And, and some of that is definitely in the space. But yeah. I could also tell the story of, wow, my younger son is so independent he did it all by himself. Like literally Mm -hmm. he went after what he wanted. He achieved Mm -hmm. it. He's in college. He's going after his master's next. He planned the whole thing. He's got a girlfriend. He's self-sufficient. He's Mm -hmm. doing it all. Right. And I told him that I said, I'm so proud of you because his story was, you didn't spend enough time on me. You were so busy with Garrett. You know, you didn't like focus on me. So I could shift the narrative and I can say, what a great opportunity you had Mm -hmm. to stand in your power, to learn how to do it yourself, to trust yourself, to follow your guidance. And I, I celebrate you. And I mm-hmm. leaned into his, like, you didn't mother me. And I said, yeah, you mothered yourself. Isn't that amazing? Like you figured yep. out how to do it yourself. And I know mm-hmm. I was here the whole time watching. And yes. space. But in exactly. his world and his perception, he's got a certain perception. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do is augment his story. Yeah. No, like, let's see yourself in the true empowerment that you are. Let's see yourself in all the wisdom you've gained yes. and, and how powerful you are. So as moms, we also get to be that space where we we help to see where the story's headed and we just mm-hmm. sort of influence and give it a little bit of shift so that they can tell a better story that yeah. gives them more power, right? Yeah, and, and the only way to do that is if we are resourced inside, like we're not Correct. depending on them for being loved. This is the resourcing. It's like, this is one of my reference points this year. I usually choose a word or an intention or whatever. And my word for this year is the emperor, two words, the empress. And it's one of my favorite tarot words. To me, the Empress energy is about being a well-resourced woman. So being grounded, being connected to my own power, being quiet in myself and not having to do that shouty, shouty, oh my God, drama, drama, chaos, chaos, blah, blah, blah. It's also about honoring the cyclical nature of who we are and how we fit in the world and the not always expecting that we're going to be able to be in this like spring season when we're out and we're creating and we're connecting and we're blah, 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 which has been a very comfortable place for me, but I've never given myself the ability to retreat and re-resource myself. And so that's a big learning for me. And I think when you feel into being a well-resourced person, woman, then all of a sudden the center of the web gets quieter and stiller and more grounded. She gets so much more connected to her intuition and her wisdom and that connection up the generational mother line of that real and we we want to talk about the matriarch energy like if you don't have and I certainly don't have a reference point of a an older woman in my life being well resourced choosing to be well resourced because my mother's story is definitely I don't have power to choose or change anything in my life which Um, has made me very passionate about the the ability to choose. But if you don't have that reference point, you can actually, and this has been a huge light bulb moment for me in the last 12 months, you can actually choose to be your own matriarch and you can do it from you down. 
you know, if you don't feel that you've got the example, you can choose it for yourself. And if you feel into the energy of someone that you think about as a matriarch, like she is strong, she's powerful. To me, like this is my definition of matriarch, warm, very clear boundaries, knows what is hers and what isn't hers to deal with, expects that people will take self-responsibility. Like there's so many different, and you know, everyone's idea of matriarchal energy will be different. But I'm like, I can choose to sit in that myself. I can choose to be that well resourced. And that has been, like I know it sounds like such a basic understanding, but to me, I have never realize that I can choose that for myself down. And choosing that has completely changed the way that I interact with my kids who have left home anyway, but you know, just a very different energy. I don't feel that knee-jerk response to always be saying yes to them and always be, you know, trying to fix things or I just I'm not a fixer. Sometimes I feel like my older daughter I was talking about before, she's like poking me gone. Is she still in there? Like she's still like I'm so still and so not, I don't need to solve that for you. So I'm not even going to respond to that. Like, you know, <laughs> and sometimes I think she's like, oh, it's a bit strange. I don't know how to react to mum like that. But um, it feels way more peaceful. Oh, so much. I think peaceful. the biggest gift along those lines that we can give our kids is really good discernment, like really feeling into the soul lesson happening. Yeah. And seeing it through those soul eyes mm. and while staying present with them, but also just going, this is your lesson. This is what you're here to learn and not get all sucked into being part mm. of that drama. They have their own soul's curriculum. They have their own play partners right. with that. They have people that they're getting involved with things with that are probably yeah. shadowy and whatever. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we're not here to fix that. We're simply mm -hmm. here to hold space. And I feel like if they really need help, your body will tell you. I went through these terrors, you know, in my body when my son mm -hmm. was struggling. I was mm -hmm. having like literally night terrors in my body and yep. just calming myself, sending prayers, using my medicine work to send tobacco, like just clearing mm -hmm. the space and supporting. And every so often we are called up to be that support, to be that guide and for a little while, I got a little resentful because my son's back home again, you know? So I was yeah. like, when is this going to be over? Like, I want to get yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to like travel around. I'm I want to get done. And, and then it, the blessing came and the blessing was that reminding me, I've been praying on the mountain on our pilgrimages down to Kemato for two, three years now that, you know, my son would want to be a healer. He would want to be part of our community. He'd want to be teaching with us at some point. Mm -hmm. And, and I had these dreams and I would call, I would invoke them and call them forth on the mountain. And then in the middle of my hissy fit, you know, this summer when he came back again and he was having a lot of issues, I was like, oh, this is, this is part of what I, oh, that's for. part of that path. Oh, <laughs> that, oh, he's learning what he needs to learn to do that. Oh, he said yes to that. <laughs> oh, he, oh, he wants that. And he's like, mom, I want to do this. Like, and now he's full on. He's like, yeah, I want to do this. I'm ready. I want to like, he's going to take my inner medicine training. He's going to yeah, like be part cool. of the group in 2024. He's like, he's so like, good. I'm really excited. And I was like, mm -hmm. I asked for this and it, this is how it looks. So, you know, and people have to decide, you know, and it's so funny that I'm about to get what I want. And I was like, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Because your your the story that you're making it mean is this comes with more responsibility and more, but it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't story. have yeah. to. That's a thing. It yeah. can just be like, oh, you're on your own path, and and wow, what a great path of mastery that will be for me to be, 
his guide in the training yes. and also yes. his mom and also not step on his toes and also give him space yeah. and also, you know, like, wow. Right. In the community. So like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of mastery and, you know, that's exciting to see what comes of it. I know that everyone has their soul's curriculum, right? So, you know, sometimes we have to go through the disempowered female thing and, you know, we, we get to look back on that later and go, wow, that had an impact, you know, but that teaches us actually that teaches us when we can wake up to see it. It teaches us, wow, when I was not empowered in myself, when I was afraid and fearful and and I let my little child run the show, Mm -hmm. you know, inside of me, this is the reality I created in my family system. Yeah. hundred percent. And it gives us good contrast. It's like, oh, okay. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. Now I want to create something else. And so there's Mm -hmm. no, there's no like judgment on it. It's just like, it's like a scientist. It's like, oh, when I was like this and I was participating as a victim, this is what Mm -hmm. happened. And this is what I created. And everybody became a perpetrator, including my own son. Hmm. Yes. Do I want that? Hmm. I don't think so. So as I become sovereign, I get a different set of circumstances and I go, oh, it feels really good to see him testing my boundaries and saying no and asserting his power and following his path and then coming back to ask for guidance because, okay, I'm ready to listen to you now. This is the dance. And you wouldn't have been able to do that if you weren't in the stillness of that well-resourced, yeah, If you didn't do your shadow work, right? Yeah. I really love internal family systems as a model to help people kind of understand the parts of themselves. And I always come back to that idea in internal family systems that a family system needs to be in balance. If you can look at it from a, like you said, a soul's path perspective, you will often see there's a parent that, and I'll just give an example that's extreme, but for example, one very dominant parent, a very submissive or passive aggressive partner, one kid that's like more outgoing or more pushing the boundaries and the other one that's the people pleaser. The system has to be in balance and we need to understand as mothers that when we change the energy in which we go into the family system, by definition, everyone else has to figure out how they're going to deal with that energy shift because it gives them an invitation to be like, oh, okay, I'm usually the kid that plays up and gets mum's drama attention and now mum's not giving me that drama attention. So there's no quid pro quo or energy that I get from her reacting. So, yeah, okay, do I want to continue playing the role of the kid that's always the problem child or the rebel or whatever? You know, there's awful labels, but... Or what space do I want to be in, in this family system? And if you have, um, and I've noticed this with my husband, he sometimes will go down the track of responding to our kids in in the roles that we used to be in when they were younger. And I'm like, it just doesn't cut it anymore. You can't be the authoritarian because we have raised children who are status quo challenges. They're not going to take anyone's word for anything. They're independent thinkers. And if they don't agree with you, they're going to go, no, dad, I don't think that that is actually what I want to do. And if you're in your authoritarian, old, from his childhood, kind of conditioned, you know, this is how we discipline type of thing, you ain't going to get what you want. <laughs> so don't be surprised, you know? And it, I love that. And and also what I really think is interesting, has been interesting in my experience is when there's this separation, right? The divorce. Yes. And then one parent goes and finds somebody else to recreate the paradigm. Yes. And then the other parent moves forward in her life and creates something mm-hmm. completely different that's way more empowered. Mm-hmm. It creates a really interesting clarity. Yes. That yes, sometimes does, is hard contrast, to accept. Contrast is 
a great tool for learning what you do and don't want. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a really good, interesting thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get to be an acceptance of all of it. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a mastery curriculum. And I know that my kids have had a really challenging time with divorce, you know, for anybody out there who went through divorce, it is, it's really challenging for kids. And if you knew in your heart, that was the right thing to do. And, you know, you yeah. created the chaos, right? That's actually that chaos is for the family because it's mm-hmm. disrupting the unhealthy patterns and it's shedding yeah. a light on them. It's like shining yeah. a big old spotlight on it going, this is unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. I cannot stand when I hear people saying I'm staying for the kids and I'm like, you are damaging the kids. You are accepting something that is not what you would hope for them to create themselves. If you're demonstrating that day in, day out, then you are not doing it for the kids, my friend you are actually doing something that is actively damaging their ability to create a healthy relationship by staying in one that you know damn well is not healthy. Um, even yes. even six months in a healthy dynamic at the end of their high school years is better than staying in a model that doesn't work. A hundred percent. And it also teaches them that when they have made a decision in life that they later, you know, through their own evolution, look back at and go, okay, I don't actually want to stand by that decision. That It's okay that we change, that we need different things. We learn different things. And by trying to stay stuck in the same thing, because you think that's the right thing to do, all you're doing is stealing all the chances for evolution and growth and opportunities to actually get to know who you could be when you make decisions from your authentic self. So yeah, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, went through a divorce as a kid as well, but I still would say I would much prefer to have had one safe, balanced household at my dad's versus no safe, balanced households. So I just don't believe that it's ever the wrong thing to do if it's the right thing for you because you're being called to. You're at the center of the web, so you're called mm-hmm. to change the web. And sometimes we're called up to do that. Mm-hmm. And we have to be brave. We have to be courageous. We have to say yes to that sacred yes. We have to act mm-hmm. on it. And when you do, everything changes for the better, even if, you know, for a little while it's messy and hot mess and it's chaos. Oh, of course. Of you know, course. it takes a while to sort through the wheat from the chaff, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then you see it clearly and there's no going back. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this conversation. I hope that this has inspired everybody to really like take that leap of faith, follow your heart, mm-hmm. know what's true trust your intuition, trust yourself, feel that web, learn how to access that intuition if you don't know how to do it already. And so how do you support people as a menopause self-care coach? What would you want to tell us a little bit about that work? I focus in my self-care school on times of metamorphosis. And because I'm in the metamorphosis and the rite of passage of menopause, I naturally attract people going through menopause. I feel like We've come a long way in the way that we see like, you know, young girls getting their first period or the path of motherhood. I feel like menopause and midlife transition is there's a lot of negative narrative at the moment, particularly on social media. And there's a lot of people with an agenda being the big, loud voices. And by agenda, I mean, you know, people that are connected to pharmaceutical companies selling particular things or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm not anti-HRT. I choose to take that as part of the way that I um, approach the transition. What I feel like is really important for people to know is that when you hit any sort of transition point, and it's exactly like we were talking about, like post-separation, same sort of transition point, there is naturally going to be a time of reckoning where you are saying, what do I actually want past this change? How do I actually want to feel? Is this sustainable? And I feel like 
the good girls and the people pleasers and the condition, like the versions of ourselves that we can definitely fall into, like the disempowered woman. If we were to try and go through this change as the disempowered woman, we are at a huge risk of finding ourselves in our postmenopausal years, which is now 40% of our lifetime on average, the latest statistics that's come out, well, at least in Australia. So 40% of our lives still stuck in the disempowered drama creating, I can't have what I want, I'm never in choice, this is being done to me, woe is me style of living. I, for one, am not down with that. That is absolutely not my story. And I feel like when we go through transition points, and particularly when menopause for a lot of us can come with less stress tolerance, less ability to juggle all the balls. And for me, one part of my experience was realizing I just didn't have the freaking energy to be all up in everybody's grill, trying to overprotect and overmother them. And that was an absolute blessing because it forced me to look at my past patterns of behavior and it forced me to change. And so I feel like if we allow it to be perimenopause can be this really good initiation point. And it is actually in Chinese medicine, if you come back to the five elements, it's autumn. It's the time of dropping leaves. It's the time of starting to go a bit inward. It's also about gathering harvest. So what are all the lessons that I've learned? What do I want to take through to my wise woman years? Rather than being, you know, more in the the maiden and the active, like mating creating sort of stage of life where we're very outward, really feeling into what have I learned? What is my purpose? And what do I want to actually, or how do I want to interact with the world moving forward? But there's also a natural stripping away of things. And if we understand that our cyclical nature is calling for us to do that, and if we think perimenopause and the transition, which can be seven to 10 years, we're not talking about, you know, a year. And I don't think most women understand that, but from our mid thirties onwards, we can start to develop, you know, all the different changes and that's mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So this very natural who the F am I? What the F do I want? Why the am I here? Like all of the big questions, they're the ones that come up. And when we're having this transition point, if we understand it's autumn and then menopause, which is medically diagnosed when you haven't had a bleed for 12 months, it's literally a day in time, menopause. But then in postmenopause, we enter into a second spring and spring is amazing. It's full of opportunities. It's about what do I want to grow in this cycle and where are my buds? And now that we're not actively mothering little babies, maybe, and this because we've pushed back our average age of having babies, sometimes, unfortunately, the young kids and the perimenopause collide, which is crazy for some people. It's very difficult to be a well-resourced woman in menopause and also be mothering little, little people. But when we actually understand that, it's an exciting initiation point. It also very naturally will be a time when anything untended in in terms of trauma, old patterns, old conditioning will come to the surface. And when I say that, I'm actually working with a midlife psychologist at the moment, creating some education around this. There is a very natural process where when we have less stress resilience quite often pushed outside our window of tolerance if we talk about kind of polyvagal theory. And then we actually are forced to realize all the stuff that we are doing often to ourselves, like we've talked about, and actually be like, okay, it's here and it's here to be healed. So when I talk about self-care school, what people think that they need self-care wise is that they need to, you know, learn some stress reduction or whatever. What they actually need 
is to clear out all the old shit that they've got in their condition system and help to have their body and their nervous system to feel safe again, which often is not the case with trauma. And then on top of that, learn some mind and body and breath tools so that they can do those little self-care snacky things during the day that keep them on an even keel, but definitely doing the self-inquiry. It's like, if you haven't healed yet, guess what? Perimenopause is going to serve it all up to you, baby. (laughs) And one big silver platter. So you get to heal, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's beautiful. Well, so um, I encourage everyone to go to your podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes below to my episode on your podcast. Yes. And yeah, to your website and everything like that. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I really enjoyed this conversation. I just really, my desire is that it served everybody listening and that you got something you can take Mm -hmm. away right away from this. And um, just so excited to have this conversation and hopefully many more with you, Kylie. Yes. Such a blessing. Yes. yes, yes. Love awesome. Thank well, you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And we're going to give kisses now. So would you like to, to help me give everyone yes. kisses? Because yes. kisses are like Absolutely. the icing on the cake. Okay. Yes. Here we go, you guys. Here come the energetic kisses. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I feel like I could put my arms around the whole world. We love you. Hug. <laughs> you can I do it. We hug. got you. All right, you guys. Have a great week and see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. Bye-bye. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul